2: chase thomas podcast. the chase thomas podcast (laughs) um my nephew needs me to record see i hate i already hate it i hate it all right hello welcome back cubic orange friday on you guessed it a friday morning perfect for ryan shumpert of rocky top empire the morning guy is what they call him ryan shumpert good morning how are you
0: doing well you know i can't complain about a a morning when it's 11 15 so it is barely morning so i uh Ready to roll, as they say.
2: Ready to roll. I mean, he's freshly retweeted by Bruce Pearl. All things coming up, Ryan Shumpert, this week. There we go. We love to see it.
0: Yeah, good stuff.
2: Love to see it. Go read his article, if you have not already, on uh, Memphis versus Tennessee many years ago. Number one versus number two. You can go read it at Rocky Top Insider today. Check it out. Also here in the Preds hat, fresh off a 6-2 win last night against the Sharks with everybody out. Um ethan stone of saturday down south ethan good morning how are you i'm doing well also i'll 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 second that Uh, go read ryan's article uh, memphis tennessee
1: very good one of my first memories of tennessee basketball i was like seven or eight so you know awesome awesome night awesome story obviously took a lot of work uh as for me i'm freezing over here at the stone manor it is very cold and i don't want to turn on the heat because it's like just so loud that you won't be able to hear me so i just kind of have to live with my current state
2: What's the temperature like? If you're saying and it's you're not so like cold, awful.
1: it's like it's like probably sixty five or so in here. Ooh. But when you just wake up and you get out of bed, and it's like, yeah, it's a little chilly.
2: That is chilly. That's yeah. like it's a dangerous game. It's it's a lot easier to get up and move around when it's the summer because you're already kind of mm. like hot and you're like, all right, I can just move around. When it's chilly or you wake up and it's cold, mm. you're like bundled up. I'm a weighted blanket guy, mm. and when I have that thirty pounds of just <laughs> <laughs> slumber laid over yeah. me, like. 6 30 a.m 7 it's hard to just move that off when i'm like no this is too cozy this is yeah uh, that, that's my problem
1: if i was mm. just like just in the like i'd be fine it's but i just got like i've just been sitting in bed doing work and stuff all day and mm. so i get out and i'm like oh it's kind of cold out here <laughs> i did
2: not think this through i also like stone manor that's uh, yeah. when you when you get your that's a good one yeah. when you get your full ranch uh, up there in uh, in Carnes or wherever yeah. you go Ethan I hope you call it the stone Manor when we'll Ethan is the biggest journalist in East Tennessee I hope you have the stone <laughs> the Manor stone. when I drove when stone I drive Manor. by and I'm like there it is it just looks like Count Olaf's house or something from the series of unfortunate <laughs> events I hope that's what it is um oh. well fellas we do have um some tennessee volunteers to talk about here on this program and you can watch this very program on youtube go to youtube.com slash chase on podcast <laughs> today like and subscribe this video and all of our videos check that out um if you are watching here now uh guess what full episodes all the good stuff with ryan and ethan at this time every single week so check that out you can follow ryan at r shump uh double zero or one zero i always get it confused is it Double 10? zero. zero. we got ethan stone Ethan, let's see what is yours. EK Stone, what is Ethan, it? Ethan Stone, 23. twenty-three. I knew there was a twenty-three. Evan Hester,
1: not Michael Jordan. No, no. <laughs> there you go. The more uh, famous Chicago. The Apple. more, the
2: more famous Chicago Twenty-Three, of course. Absolutely. The. More <laughs> there you go. Uh, you can find us Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff as well. Check out all the other good shows across the Blue Wire Pod Network. And if you like this show, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, were you get your podcast and leave us a five-star rating interview and, and tell us why. You prefer Ryan and Ethan over myself on this very right. program.
1: We're gonna pause things and put mm. this guy away because he's he's already in full. In, in full
2: mode. I don't. That's not how the pause works. The recording's going. <laughs> Ethan just like he he just made an executive decision to pause the pod with the. This is why you want to just jump in here, folks, when you're on YouTube.com because you might have Ethan Stone just getting up here in the middle of the pod, Trust leaving me, and I did the right thing kicking the kicking the uh, <laughs> the cat out the building like You'll just. Thank me. No cat love here on this program. Um, Ryan, early thoughts. Marcus Gorey, nice commitment picked up by the University of Tennessee over the last week or so. Um, What are are your early thoughts on what this means for how the 2024 commitment class is already shaping up for the balls in the spring?
0: I don't know that I have any smart enough to have any broad sweeping generalizations of what it means for the rest of the recruiting class, but I think it's a good get. I mean, it was, or it is a guy that Tennessee had been after for a while, and it's always funny. He was a classic. He released like his top five on Wednesday and then commits on Saturday. I always find that very funny uh, when it happens, but I, you know, I, I restart right now. I did see, I think Austin Price said something to the extent of he expects him to get a major boost and end up being one of the top players in the state in the 2024 cycle. So it's a good get. It's another um, in-state guy I wrote about this week where I feel like Tennessee has the foundations for a really good uh, in-state class this year. And, you know, I don't know what his relationship is like with Boo Carter. Obviously, he's Cleveland, not Chattanooga, but pretty close. Uh, and Carson General, another Chattanooga guy who who Tennessee has committed. And Boo Carter kind of one of Tennessee's top targets early in the whole class. And he's uh, as well a Chattanooga guy. So The Vols continue to have success there. I don't know if there's any close relationships, but I I think that can do nothing but help the Vols there. And, look, you know, we – I know I think it's supposed to be going to come up later about the position coaches and and all that stuff, but defense back, we talked about it last week, until we see Tennessee be better there with the guys that they have, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that – at least to fully buy in on what they're doing and – they signed a really nice corner class last year, and I think they have when you combine them with Caleb Beasley, even though you know he could play safety as well, but the makings of a or I guess the the building blocks of, of a pretty solid defensive back class, which I, I think is really important for Tennessee.
2: Ethan, when um, you look at just the commit so far is this about where you expected the uh, the balls to prioritize this spring? Is there a group based on what we, we saw with the final listing in twenty twenty three versus how they're looking at twenty twenty four? It's their position group um, that you're like. I'm kind of. I'm curious if they they go here more uh, the spring or this one needs to be ramped up and you would like to see a specific, a specific uh, position targeted uh, over the next couple months.
1: I don't. Let's see. I don't have it right in front of me. I want to think there's four right now, and three of them are from the state of Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is obviously big. I mean, for it's exactly what Ryan was saying. Um, starting out in the state, and I'll add also Edwin Spillman, I believe the number two player in the state. Mm-hmm. He's been, I mean, pretty much projected to go to Tennessee since like October. He's had like five unofficial visits to the Vols, Went to the Rocky Top Palooza uh, last, I think, summer or before or whatever, and so you got guys like that. That's a lot of uh, – I want to think Spillman is a linebacker, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, you
0: know
1: a lot of defensive players is what I'm getting at. And so I, I think the only offensive player – I think currently the only offensive player committed to Tennessee might be Gorey, but he's a cornerback. You know, he could play a receiver. I think he's he's kind of considered an athlete right now, so he could kind of do cornerback, safety, receiver, any of those. I'd just like to see him start targeting some some offensive players. If you look kind of across the country at the – really elite you know recruiting teams right now you got notre dame you got georgia that are getting you know eight players right now we're sitting here at four that's fine because we're doing well in state tennessee's doing well in state but they don't really have any offensive players i feel like on their on their docket as of as of right now not exactly sure who you go after i'm i'm not going to act like i'm a you know, general broad knowledge of of, of the commits remaining in the twenty twenty four class, but th- that's where you'd want to go next. Do you want to start getting some some offensive players to start replacing? You know, the obvious talent that Hypo and his staff has has currently on the roster.
2: Yeah, I think you want to see one of the five star receivers. Like you yeah. want to see at least them get one of them. We'll see where Wingo lines up, and I don't know what happens with my mater and Mike Matthews down there in uh, at Parkview. So you got
1: you got what Ryan said with Boo Carter as well. I mean, he's he's one of the guys that that you could go after for sure.
2: And he feels like he's probably leaning. Like it's going to be another Tennessee heavy class, which is good. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, for me, the commit that I'm still just I want to see is the five star offensive lineman. That's Mm -hmm. just where my head's at. Like I'm not really worried about receiver. I'm not worried about Jordan Marshall committing or Jarek Gibson or getting uh, the four star quarterback out of Savannah or the, even just the defensive line and things like that. I think Gardner's going to be fine there. I'm, the only thing I still have a question mark in terms of the entirety of this group is still the offensive line. We'll see. They're in the mix for some big ones, but I mean, I just... <laughs> we haven't really seen it yet outside of Sham. So until that kind of flips, I'm, I'm pretty nervous about where that's headed uh, because it's just we saw... I mean, you go up and down this conference and just big boy football, playoff football... It's just you have to get some of these guys. You cannot like Darnell was not your dude. Darnell you developed and Darnell was really really strong, but Darnell was a five star just guy that you you luckily you landed. You, you were just able to plug and play and move him. You don't have any of those guys anymore. And once Cooper's gone at the the center spot, I don't know. I I just wait and see, cautiously optimistic, but the talent at least the pedigree I should say is going to be a step down it looks like and they're going to rely on their development over getting those high-end guys that just walk in as five stars and you just you just know what you have there so i don't know we'll see but um that's something where i'm, I'm very curious to see how they how they end up faring this spring and into the summer um in terms of basketball ryan is it a player problem As to why USC's, UT's offense has struggled so much, or do you think when you watch this game year in, year out with the Rick Barnes system that it Barnes actually does deserve a little bit more, not criticism, but just he should have to like kind of address like why he isn't evolving a little bit more in terms of just, hey, zakai is so much better in the open core like maybe we do need to push the pace more even if it sacrificed their defense because guys are more gas because we're having to play with more tempo but you look at it like the the half court offense is just so tough to score and you just have so many guys who are not comfortable in a half court set that you're like may just feels like a guy who is just a mike d'antoni dream uh just a great uh defender who just should camp out in the corner and then drive and draw fouls which is what he's good at and crash the boards on threes and I mean Takai obviously with his ability and Tobe Awaka he's in great cardio shape it seems like I mean I don't know I just I think that's something that I would like to see more than anything in terms of just offensive philosophy from Barnes is like sacrificing a little bit of the defense to push tempo more especially when the shots aren't falling early it's just like hey like Zakai needs to be moving and running and you just take off and you just need to be push, 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 because even if that sacrifices the defense and even if they're more gas later on, I think you're just going to get better looks and the, the Tennessee offense is going to score at a better clip. If the tempo was increased, what do you, what do you make of that, Ryan?
0: Um, you know, well, one, you're not going to see that. That's not, that's not going to happen. No. They're not going to, they're not going to sacrifice any sort of defense and, while well, I see your point at this point in the season, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I don't necessarily disagree with you on like a broad perspective, but in this point in the season, you talk about games are struggling. They need to do that. Where games are struggling offensively, they need to do that. I think it's really hard to say, all right, we're struggling offensively. Our path to winning these games is what sacrifice defense to score in transition, something we mm-hmm. haven't done well all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to double down on what they're good at. Now, whether that you know that's something they should change in the long term, I wouldn't disagree with that. I don't think that's going to ever happen. That's not how Rick Barnes has been his whole coaching career. Um, when you look at the half court offense, and you talk about uh, adjusting, I think he's done some adjusting and changing of philosophy. And I think mm-hmm. you see less of that right now because Josiah, Jordan James, and Julian Phillips are out, and Tennessee can't play small. And then mm-hmm. you have to play these two bigs all. To, you know, uh, they can play Jemai Mackey Shack at the four a little bit, but like Rod Clark said earlier this week, he's 6'4". You know, he can mm-hmm. do it a little bit, but he can't do it nearly at the level that Phillips or James can. And when you have two big men out there who one, aren't very consistent, no matter who you choose, haven't been particularly strong offensive threats, and Cam was, and, uh, uh, do, I guess, can shoot a little bit, but they haven't really been seen to give the green light. You're not going to have success there. And, you know, I will say a little bit less different, again, when you've had those guys injured and you've had to play three guards, but for a lot of this year, I think Tennessee gets good shots in the half court. They just don't really make a lot of them. And I think that's, to your point, I think that's on the players. And mm. or to your question, I guess you should say that's on the players. And now that obviously all ends up falling back on Barnes because he's, this is who he's recruited. He's recruited mm. defensive minded guys. Um, and the one thing I will say, and I will put some blame on Barnes for, I think he's too hard on them, you know, mm. over the course of a season. To me, when you see, look, November, December, even in January, be as hard on the guys as you want. But I think especially when you struggle and you have offensive issues and it's still boom, 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 100% of the time, on them, on them, on them. I think that wears on the guys some. And I think you've seen some Tennessee teams struggle down the stretch. And I think that at least is a reason why. Is that the only reason? No, but I think it's a problem. I think guys can get tentative on offense. I think even Tyra Key, who they implore to shoot more you know you saw it the other night tyreek he turns down a shot shot clock violation lucas campbell rick barnes whole bitch just screaming at him screaming at him screaming at him next possession six seconds into the shot clock he's taking a contested three super deep and it's just there doesn't seem to be a comfortability with a lot of these offensive players of knowing what they should do what they need to do and just being in lockstep with the coaches of what the expectation is out of them and really a comfortability of finding the rhythm.
2: Ethan, what do you, what do you think in terms of Julian and triple J like when you've watched these games without them, who do you think that Tennessee has missed more um, Julian or triple J? That's
1: a hard question. Cause I feel like both would be kind of like Ryan was saying to, I feel like Tennessee's at its best when it's playing small ball, when you get, the least amount of big men in there as you can, and you let, you know, just the more talented players do what they want to. And Josiah can obviously play the four very well. I, I feel like Julian can do three or four around the same uh, around the same mark. As far as which one is more important right now, I think Josiah is a more complete player, but I think Julian is more important right now simply because he's played more games, and the team has gotten used to him being there, if that makes sense. I mean, Josiah has missed, like, 10, 11 games this year, whatever it is, and Tennessee's beat Kansas, Maryland, USC. I mean, the the list goes on without Josiah. And, you know, sure, Tennessee beat Alabama without Julian Phillips and and Josiah, may I add. But I feel like what Julian gives, especially from his ability to get to the free throw line and seeing Tennessee's struggles at that as of late, his ability to get to the free throw line and more importantly, make the free throws, I feel like that's important. I feel like just his physicality, his athleticism, just in general, is something that Tennessee is desperately lacking right now. I'm not really sure Julian is is fantastic at creating his own shot, but he at least can do a little bit of that. And nobody on Tennessee's roster currently, I'd well, nobody currently that's being fielded to the court can really do that right now. At, at least, I mean, maybe Santi a, a little bit, but you know, Tennessee really desperately struggles in that. And then, you know, going back to what Ryan said a little bit earlier, they're they're getting the open shots, and they they just kind of have to start hitting them. So if if you got Guys like Santi, if you've got, got guys like Zakai, if, if they're not hitting their shots, then I, I feel like things are just going to keep going downhill. Julian, his ability to create, his ability just to be physical inside the paint, get to the free throw line, get some points. Not to mention he and, and Josiah I feel like are close on the same level rebounding, especially this year. I feel like Josiah kind of took a step down, but I, I don't know. I feel like it, in a lot of ways they're kind of very similar players right now and Tennessee just misses both of them desperately. If you got to have one back, you got to have Julian, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. And I hope when they do get to, I mean, I guess I don't think anyone, like anyone who's just hoping that they're going to be hundred percent. I just don't think that's happening. That doesn't happen yeah. in a basketball season. It's like in football season where it's like, how are they uh, guys hundred percent? No, like they'll never be a hundred percent. Like Julian, uh, Josiah Jordan James is not yeah. going to be a hundred percent the rest of the way.
1: That <laughs> should sell on him a, a couple months ago. I mean, yeah. he, he can come in and he can contribute, but he's not going to be a hundred percent. I agree.
2: No. You. Um, and Julian's going to be careful. Like he's still looking at a first round pick. Like he's going to be careful. He's going to keep that in mind. You're in the back end of the season. Like there's a lot of money to say. Like there's just, I, I just don't see a scenario where they're 100% the rest of the way. And I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I do think what we've learned, Euros got what, three minutes uh, against Texas and m which is a positive development. But I also just think, God, we, we've we talked about this, but it's, you feel bad, but Olivier, I think when you all when you get Triple J and Julian back, I don't think he can be in the rotation. I yeah. think you have to do the Ben Simmons thing with uh, Brooklyn, where Jacques Vaughn's like tough decisions had to be made, and Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons were out of the rotation, mm-hmm. and we just have to shrink it to seven to eight men playoff basketball. I think what we've seen is Tobias and Jonas should be the only fives at all times um, for Tennessee and tobe has just been incredible on the boards he's even a good free throw shooter it's kind of crazy that i just trust him so much based on the AM stuff where i was like oh tobe over any over euros over olivier over even santi late i'm like get put tobe on the line i'm just all I'm in not, on, tobe. I'm I'm not, just like, on tobe and ryan's losing his mind and i'm just like tobe awaka the world because that guy you give him a challenge in a clutch moment like if i had to bet on anyone it's either him or it's, uh, or it's Tyreek Keyes. Probably my two. Maybe Tyreek is who I could trust the most in a free throw win or go home situation. But it's one of those two. Forty-eight
1: percent free throw shooter. Yeah, I was Tobe Iwaka. Say,
2: Tobe like Iwaka. I'm telling you, he's turned the corner, and, Ryan. I mean, he turned he's, the He hit him his
1: last game. He hit him his last game. Sure, he did.
2: But, uh, he looked he good. Don't get me wrong, it was a good sign.
1: Don't
0: get me wrong, I love Tobey Iwaka, I'm yeah. with you. To he. To me, I'd be playing him more minutes than just about any
2: big man. But yeah, That's I love what I you should take for Ryan. Man. Like he's just not prepared, and Ryan's just apoplectic. This is,
1: this is, I, I think, free throws. Free throws is where he needs to he needs to build the most, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, I mean, he's getting he he's amazing uh, on the boards. Yeah. He's amazing at drawing fouls, and then he goes and he, he hits one of two at best. I mean, the Texas A and M game was a little different. He, he yeah. legitimately shot very well from the free throw line there. The month of February, he is not. He's shooting maybe 45% from the line.
2: Ethan, out the window. We're Texas A&M on. That's my sample size. Texas A&M okay. M on, and that's it's all I'm doing.
1: Texas, like...
0: <laughs> I would say, going back to your more general point, mm. I wouldn't be completely cutting Olivia out of the rotation. I would, his what's the word I'm looking for? Room for error, or his, he's getting less benefited now, I think. Mm. But I'm not completely cutting him out. I mean, I'm still giving him opportunities early in the game. And if he plays poorly, then, you know, maybe his, his minutes are severely getting cut down. I definitely think he should be, should see a minute reduction, though. And would I you mean, start the him? I would
2: say, he can't start anymore when they're having like He cares
0: about who starts. Like,
2: well, he cares about how you start these games because Tennessee has done this thing where they'll dig themselves a hole, man. Like they did it against Kentucky. They, Got up to a good starting in m but like they will put themselves in a hole. And when you start off with Jonas <laughs> and Kamwa and whoever, like Mayshack, it's like you have three non shooters here uh, <laughs> to start the game. And then there's just not a, not a lot of margin for error if the defense isn't uh, completely up for the test out of the gate. Like it's just, I don't think you can do it.
0: I mean, I, I would ag- I agree with that from the standpoint of Mayshack in the starting yeah. lineup. But once you get Julian or Josiah back, you know, to me, it's I'm not just saying like this my thing like the Kentucky game mm. first half was horrific. So yeah. it's not like you just dug yourself a hole and you played well after the first five minutes and you couldn't come back from it. You mm. Dug yourself a hole by being incompetent for the first yeah. eighteen minutes of the game. Yeah. So but I, I do I do see your point and I just don't really get hung up on the starter stuff as much because I mean we saw for half the season Tennessee start a lineup that was essentially as good, maybe even a little bit of worse than their second team was, and they played well when they were doing that, so they mm-hmm. didn't kill them, but yeah, I'd that, and the, the thing about Josiah and Julian, it's just not having both of them just it compounds the issue of not having yeah. one of them so much worse, yeah. mm-hmm. because you just can't do so many things, and I would probably agree with Ethan that I'd rather have Julian Phillips back, you know Josiah, I think his ceiling of what he does for Tennessee is higher when he shoots the ball well But when he shoots the ball, I think the numbers were like two of 25 in his last five games before from three. Certainly rather have Julian Phillips there. And I think that's probably the most frustrating thing about Julian Phillips injury and the timing of it is that not that it necessarily felt like he was turning a corner, but figuring some things out. And he needs to be one of those answers when shots aren't falling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like him missing this, you know, what's going on two weeks now it makes that really unlikely that he is going to really turn a corner and kind of have like a a Kennedy type turn. Like he had last season by the NCAA tournament. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, It's just, we'll see. Uh, Last thing though, on Tennessee basketball, what do you look, Ethan, when you look at Zakai's fouling issues, do you think it's a Zakai thing? Do you think it's just the way he's officiated? Do you think it's just the coaching where he just feels like he has to press more so he doesn't get plucked? Is he just kind of doubting um, Just his play as a play, because I think you make the case he's been awful in February. Like it's been, been, it's been pretty rough. There's a reason BJ Edwards has gotten some run in the month of February here for the, for the balls. And
0: because Josiah and Julian Phillips are, just, yeah, yeah. I don't I
1: know. Of the
2: I think it's also just they, I think, like, I think Barnes would love, if BJ was further along, I think BJ would, like, we already saw Barnes with the, the, the quick plug on Zakai as a starter, right? Like if BJ was further along, I would not be the least bit surprised if he would have preferred to start at least BJ and Zakai back off the bench. If he trusted BJ more and he was further along as like a, as a true freshman, like I, I 1000% believe that's the case. Um, cause he's longer. I think he profiles better. Like just, I don't know. I could just see that being the case because I think he really does feel more comfortable with Zakai coming off the bench. And I still wonder if Zakai is just always going to be more comfortable. Um, Coming off the bench, but I don't know what. What do you make, Ethan, of the the foul situation with Zakai?
1: I think I think you were kind of on the nose with the pressure thing. I mean, he's playing; he, he's being forced to play 36, 40 minutes a game, and and that's that's just a lot on anybody. Not not to mention a sophomore point guard, which is you know the the most important position, definitely in college basketball at this point. I'd say. Um, my next point would be that you need right about now. This entire stretch of February is the proof you know, when we were talking like four months ago about desperately needing Yuri Collins on this team, mm. like you, you just, you desperately need a guy that can relieve Sakai, mm. uh, not necessarily, not necessarily off the bench. I feel like just to start the game, just someone to give him a break. I mean mm-hmm. that the, for example, the the Missouri game, when he, when he fouled out, that's a very underrated part of why Tennessee lost that game. And I, I feel like it's just exhaustion at that point. I mean, not, ne- not necessarily why he fouled him because he was exhausted. Just, I mean, he's got everything on him. He's he's had everything on him for the past, like, while now. It's it's him and Santi, as far as guards go, uh, that are able to, you know, really take up the ball and really get things going. I feel like a little bit of Tyreek Key's confidence being down, it kind of helps to it as well because he's not really able to, you know. I mean, he he had that one game a couple weeks ago, and otherwise he's been kind of radio silent. So if you have guys like that that aren't really helping him out that much, if, if he feels – you know, that, that Barnes is pushing him if he feels like he has to do too much with the offense. It's it's just, I mean, we got to remember these guys are 20 years old. These guys are, you know, in, in big pressure situations playing 36, 40 minutes a game. It's going to wear on you eventually. I, I think that has something to do with it, especially considering the past month. Zakai has not been the same Zakai as he was at the beginning of the season. I mean, I'd say... Full season, Zakai is a top five point guard in the SEC right now, month of February. I don't think he is. Not how he's been playing lately in the the past month.
2: No. Ryan, true or false? Cam Seldon has the best freshman season of anyone in the 2023 Tennessee volunteer class. False. Okay.
0: You know... I'm not to me, there's not like an obvious person that I'm saying is going to have a better season. But if you're going to give me him against the field, like a, to me, it's a no doubter. Seldon's not. I don't see him as like a, the definitive most ready player to play in this class. I don't see him as the guy that has the quickest path to playing time. Even to be honest mm-hmm. with you, so I would probably even go Nathan Leacock over him. To be honest, um, look on the defensive side of the ball, I think one of those we talked about last week one of those linebackers you know probably most likely arian carter is going to have a great chance to factor look at corner maybe uh jordan matthews to me is going to have if he can come in and impress going to have a chance to play and then not that i think he's going to be an every down starter but i think caleb herring as well will probably get some opportunities in pass rush
2: situations interesting ethan what do you think
1: I agree with pretty much everything Ryan just said. I was going to especially hit home the one of Jeremiah Taylor, Jalen Smith, Arian Carter. I feel like just because you got that BYU transfer and And like you said, we we talked about it a little bit last week. You got Aaron Beasley, BYU transfer, and then it's probably going to be one of those three uh, coming up in the in the back.
2: Well, Elijah Herring, I think will play too. I think there's a chance like Elijah Herring might start. Right? I don't think that's out of the question.
1: I do think, like Ryan said, they have a considerably Mm -hmm. better path to play. Just of the three of them, it's just who who has the best spring spring camp. Who who impresses you know who impresses the coaching staff the most? Um, I I think I'm a. I would also say that Leacock probably has more of a run over Seldon right now. I think Seldon has more hype on social media, um, just from you know people seeing his highlight tapes and, and, and people seeing his writing and stuff like that. But you know what you hear coming out of camp is that Leacock is is doing very well, and I, I think you'll get at least one freshman wide receiver getting some major run. And I, I would also say that would be Leacock.
2: I just worry because like Hypel just he loves the three wide sets and like you're just he only plays just those guys if he can get away like it's just I don't know I think Laycock's path is injury right like I think if Laycock has a big freshman year it's because Tennessee got ravaged by injuries um in the wide receiver front but I for me I think it one a I think Cam Seldon's like the dark horse like if I had to pick one wild card just because of the way folks have talked about him and like him having the Debo Cordero Patterson type vibe coming in and being a running back out of the gate here i think there's a quicker path for uh the running back spot and we also saw dylan sampson did play a little bit uh this past year especially when he picked up protection after the mess up and miscue against lsu that they trusted him a little bit more i think they like rotating like you'll get a full i mean (laughs) he might get a full series in some of these games where it's just from some, some and if he impresses and he shows which i think what will be unique about him is he is a true dual threat in the backfield? Where it's like because he played receiver, because he does, he, yeah. he's just a Swiss Army guy. That like if he knows the playbook and they trust him, putting him on the field is just such a mismatch for opposing defenses because they he can he can go both ways. You can line him up inside, you can line him up outside. You can you don't know if he's going to be getting a RPO handoff. You don't know if he's going to be going out in the flats because you just have to you have to prepare for him. I think he's going to be. A really, really fascinating guy. And I also think the number two for me is Ethan Davis. I think Ethan Davis was a really good player at Collins Hill um, back in my home state. And I just think because it's so thin at the tight end spot that I think if Ethan's good, especially just catching the ball, I think he could be a red zone guy they might uh, utilize early. I would not be surprised if Ethan Davis has a stronger Impact on and on this Tennessee team as a freshman than many people are anticipating because I just think he's gonna the opportunities they're just so thin and the idea that McAllen and Jacob Warren are just going to be totally healthy and ready to go week in week out all year I just I have my doubts and I think Ethan is at the very least a really good receiver and I think that's just going to be valuable come red zone time for the balls. I think that's fair right
0: yeah hundred percent I mean that was when you I was going through it I was honestly a, a mission on my part because. I mean you said about There's opportunity there no. um i mean at worst he's going to be the third guy i mean yeah no like i don't i don't see who else is going to be the third guy and certainly he has the highest ceiling of anyone in that room and i'm hard time seeing anyone supplanting jacob warren as the starter necessarily but they have rotated there a ton and you're right he's he certainly has the potential to be the best pass catcher and obviously going to be in a big role moving forward in his career
2: yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what ultimately happens on that front. Um, We got time for one more here. McElroy, or no, let's do this. Which Hypel assistant has the most pressure on him this fall? A lot of raises handed out this week for this staff. Hypel obviously gets a big extension this offseason. Who do you think, Ethan, has the most pressure on him? to succeed both on the field and off the field because that's what i think some people might miss is i think it's not just on the field results it's recruiting results and it's on the field results who do you think is under the most pressure to succeed following these raises this year
1: i'd say willie martinez has at Hmm. least addressed the the defensive back concerns uh, in in recruiting at least I i mean you got Jordan Matthews. You got a, a bunch of talent coming in for cornerback. It's just you got to translate it to the field because <laughs> I'd say a combination of, of Willie Martinez as a parent to or Tim Banks as a parent to Willie Martinez. I mean, just defensively, that that's where the pressure is going to come from, because the offense, even with, without Endon Hooker, you know, even with all the people they lost, the offense is at the very least going to be steady. I mean, you can pretty much just bet the farm on that. Defensively, that's that's going to be the question mark. It's it has been for the entirety of the Josh Heupel era so far. It's just you got to get a defense out there that can legitimately give the offense a, a chance against these really really good teams, or when the offense isn't quite going. Um, you know, you, you you can't have more South Carolina. I guess is what I'm saying. And so if if you do have another South Carolina, if you have a couple South Carolinas, people are going to start wondering. Hey, I, I think there might be a legitimate issue. I. Some ball fans said that after the South Carolina game last year, some some of them said that, "Hey, defensively, this team's never going to get anything done." So, I mean, that that's where the most pressure comes from, uh, in my opinion.
2: Ryan, do you agree that it's Willie, or do you have another name in mind?
0: I would agree that it's Willie. Like that's my first thought. But to me, it's honestly, it's pretty similar between him and Brian Jean Marie. Um, mm. Yeah. Or heck, you know, honestly, now. Those two guys, I think, from an on-the-field standpoint. And I think uh, part of me thinks John marie because – or John marie just going to my classic Southern white guy accent, butchering the pronunciation of his last (laughs) name. Uh, Because we talked about it last week. It feels like the linebacker room is more ready from a talent standpoint to take a jump, whereas the defensive back room, it still feels like – to me, it still feels like it's a year away. Mm -hmm. You would hope it would be improved from last year because of how bad it was last year, but it it still feels like – and he has recruited well. I think he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt, and there's probably nothing that's going to happen this year. It's going to get him fired. Another name I would throw out there, and this is less on field related, would be Jerry Mack. Hmm. Tennessee just to me seems needs to. You you mentioned earlier offensive lines. is like the one spot you worry about recruiting. But to me, on the offensive line, it's really, and I completely agree with that. That's number one. And to me, it's on the offensive tackle spot specifically. Hmm. Look, it, it's hard to project recruiting services, is hard to project offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen. So you can get a lot of good good players in the interior offensive line who are highly rated. But you're right. The elite offensive tackles are usually pretty elite in, mm-hmm. at the college level. And But I don't worry about Glenn Ellerby because he's great friends with Josh Heifel, and he's been with them every step of his coach career. I just, it just doesn't feel like there's any pressure on him at this point. Now, once – Lack of recruiting really or lack of recruiting success starts to hurt on the field. Then some tough conversations have to be made. I just don't see that happening this year. Um, So I go Jerry Mack. They haven't recruited running back particularly well. Some of that has been obviously the offense has been more offensive or excuse me, passing focused. And even though it is balanced, I think this year will probably help because they'll run the ball a lot more. And I you know at least last year in the 2023 cycle, I can't remember as much going back to 2022, but it was a weak running back cycle. So you have a little bit of benefit of doubt for those types of things. This year, I think some of those things he gets the benefit of doubt for are gone. So uh, I think that they're ups, uh, it ups a little bit of pressure there. They need to recruit better at that spot. Uh, and I think those guys on the defense side of the ball, I think, have more reason to get the benefit of the doubt than Jerry Mack does. So that would kind of be a guy I, I watch.
2: Interesting. Yeah, those are two good ones. I would also just say, like, not i don't think he's in danger but i think joey halsey getting is going to be under a microscope because they didn't go outside they just promoted from within obviously like alex golish is we'll just see if there's a drop off there and more on his plate as oc like does he call plays does Hypel um increase his load like do they need to hire another qb coach um along with halsey do they just need to kind of beef that staff back up around him just putting too much on his plate like that's something to i think also keep in mind because Um, it's a big jump for him and unfairly or fairly he's going to be a target if tennessee's offense takes a step back so like oh well no goalish we promote it from within with halsey like he i think will actually be the target there um whether or not that's fair or not um well there you go ryan uh what do you want to plug here as we wrap up here tonight we got the the story over on rocky top insider that everyone should go check out We've got Rick Butler watermarking his Rocky Top Insider dope photos, which is good to see. That one with yeah. the I – w- I saw it. I was like, smart move, man, because people are going to do it. Tennessee fans are going to do it. hes He's got the watermark because he takes good photos, man. There was a good one for Tennessee baseball this week. But yeah. uh, what do you want to plug here?
0: Yeah, I mean, you all have done a great job plugging the, the Memphis story for me, so I appreciate that. Oral history, 15-year anniversary, Bruce Pearl, Tony Jones, Jason Shea, Chris Lofton. I think it was ended up being eleven people kind of involved in that game that, that discussed it and that was a lot of fun to do. So check that out. And then yeah, we'll have coverage on basketball this weekend. Baseball, I'm glad you plugged it. Rick got a bunch of really good pictures from the Alabama AM game. He's planning on taking a lot more this year. And yeah, we uh we learned from you know, we learned from our heirs over at, at Rocktop Top Insider. We've we gotten the watermark down now and uh, not gonna <laughs> not gonna let anybody steal the stuff. So uh, I like it. Should be tons of good stuff on both both ends.
2: Are you going to the game today?
0: Yep. I'll, I'll be, be there all three this weekend, so, right.
2: okay. I'm going What do they have today? Dayton. 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 Interesting.
0: No yeah. run rule. No run rule. Letting mm. people know. No run rule this weekend, which could be somewhat of an issue. What's there Rockies is a pool holes. There weekend. is a pool
2: holes in the there middle of the lineup. <laughs> so wow, he right. might not need a run <laughs> rule. He might be mashing in the middle of the lineup. Um, I think he's a distant relative or something of Albert. They are somehow related. That is
0: my understanding.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, Ethan, what about you and the good folks over there on Saturday and South and O'Connor O'Gara had, uh, um, Alex Golish, I think on the Saturday pod today, uh, as a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, it was either today or, I don't know. I saw the announcement the other day and Mm. that especially, but, um, yeah, just, we're, we're in the process of transitioning still, you know, going to college baseball, going on to college basketball, obviously March Madness coming up, conference tournaments coming up. Have all things SEC, Big Ten, um, ACC, and Pac-12 covered on all four of our sites.
2: There you go. Ryan, Ethan, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you all next week. This is Ben Ingram,
0: radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one to show your support for the program tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program and if you're an apple podcast listener leave the show a rating and a review it goes a long way that'll do it for me but don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 the fan and the braves radio network this season go braves chase i think i'm going to hear more about you i really do i think you've got a way about you that you're interviewing mm-hmm. you're-